<clears throat> you know, the, the story of Simeon is found in Luke chapter 2, and we're going to be having a look at that. So I'd encourage you to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Um, the story is found in verse 20, 25 to 35, and we're going to have a look at that in just a moment. But let's, uh, let's ask the Lord to uh, bless this time as we look into his word. Let's pray. Father, we come before you today, and we just thank you for your grace uh, in sending the world this precious gift of your Savior, our Savior. Lord, what an awesome thing to recognize that you loved us so much that you gave your only begotten Son, that whoever believes in you would have everlasting life. And so, Lord, we, we just thank you for this gift, and we ask, Lord, that as we look at uh, this time you spent with Simeon and, and uh, Lord, what, his insights, Lord, we just ask that you would apply it to our hearts, that we would have a fresh understanding of how you want to fellowship with us, how you want to be part of our life. And so, Lord, we, I pray that you would anoint me as I speak your word, that it might, I might speak it in power and in truth. And I pray that you would anoint all of us, that we would hear what the Spirit has to say to the church this morning. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you know, at our house, uh, Christmas presents arrive early. Uh, they start coming under the tree about a week before Christmas. I don't know where they come from. They just start arriving. And uh, I counted this morning. There were six gifts all nicely wrapped under the tree already. And uh, they will continue to grow, and, and the stack will get bigger and bigger all, we, all this week. And I remember when the kids were small, um, this, this growing stack of presents under the tree was, was, uh, created a lot of fascination in them. You know, they'd be looking at it and went, oh, which one's mine? You know, oh, the big one for me oh I wonder what's in there you know and they'd shake it and there's all this anticipation build up as they'd be checking out these gifts under the tree and uh, you know um, I just love Christmas morning for that time when when I've worked really hard to get the perfect gift you know, you know perfect gifts are, are very special because you have to they have to be something that the per, the kids not not expecting to make it perfect, and to get the biggest kaboom uh, response when they open the gift. And oh, no, no way! I, oh, that's awesome! I've always wanted one of these kind of things, you know, just to get that big explosion of joy on their face. And you have to do it right. You have to present it just right. You see, like, I've noticed, like, I wrapped up some, some uh, uh, snowboards one Christmas, and, but, you know, it was really obvious that there were snowboards, you know, these big, long things sitting under the tree. And so the, the, the kick wasn't as good. And so I learned my lesson. And, and last year I gave my wife, a, you know, a stove. And I, and I just wrapped it in a big bow and stuck it in the kitchen, you know. So, you, so it was, uh, you know, the presentation is important and it happens kaboom, right? Uh, and so I just love that. In fact, I think it's more fun to give the perfect gift than to receive the perfect gift. Uh, and I just, I just revel in it. In fact, some people get so excited about getting the perfect gift for someone they love, they, they just can't keep it in. Have you met those people? They're just like, <laughs> someone's going, yeah, that's me. I just, I just get so excited. I'm so ready to give that gift to the person that I, I, I just can't hold it. You, and, and they say things like, oh, you won't believe what I got you. You wait and see, it's going to be great. What is it? What is it? Well, it's, you know, it's, <laughs> and then 
they spill the beans, you know? It's so funny. Um, and so a couple weeks ago, I had, the, the, had this experience of being able to give Jennifer a gift, right? So I, I had gone out and I got her some sandals and I put it in a shoebox and I wrapped it up and, and gave it to her. And, and this was a, a sort of a landmark birthday for her. And so she got the present and I went down and, and you know, I wanted to see how her reaction was. And she rips the paper off and opens the box and there's a pair of sandals. Now it's November, right? And, and she's, she's really polite in when re- she receives gifts, right? She's like, oh, those are nice. I know I've known her for 26 years. What she's really thinking is, pink sandals in November? Are you kidding me? <laughs> but she's really nice and she not, doesn't let anything on, right? She's just, nah. and then she's like, what's this? And it's a, it's a bottle of sun, suntan lotion, right? And she pulls it out, and a little piece of paper falls to the table. And she's like, suntan lotion? You know, like, now she's real, her real feelings are coming out. Like, what kind of gift is this? And then she picks up the piece of paper off the table, and it's, and it's two tickets to Cuba. And she's like, no way! <laughs> and she's so excited, right? And kabam! And nailed it! Yes! <laughs> right? <laughs> And it's that great feeling, right? Well, do you think, just for a moment, that maybe God was feeling the same way when he gave the gift of Jesus Christ to the world? He was all giddy. He was like, oh boy, I can't wait. You wait and see when the baby arrives. They're going to be so excited. And then what should we do? What should we do? Oh, oh, I know, I know. Let's send a messenger ahead. And, 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 and oh, oh, let's choose this couple here. They're devout. Yeah, Zachariah and, uh, and Elizabeth. And, and oh, I, I got it. I got it. We'll send Gabriel. He'll be in the temple, just standing there in the temple. Oh, freak Zachariah out. He'll walk in and, whoa, who are you? What are you doing here? And then we'll just tell him, you know, oh, Zachariah, we have great news for you. We're going to, you and your wife, Elizabeth, you're going to have a baby. It's going to be so exciting. And it's going to be a great joy and delight to you. And uh, everybody's going to be so happy about this baby because he's going to go before the Lord. Before the Lord comes, he's going to be there, and he's going to go in the power and strength of Elijah, and he's going to prepare the way of the Lord, and he's going to, go, he's going to make ready the people so that there are people prepared for the coming of the Lord. Isn't it going to be great? And Zachariah's like, uh... We're kind of old, my wife. She's, you know, like barren and whoa, <laughs> right? And uh, the angel says, What, you don't believe me? Hey, I'm Gabriel, right? You can just imagine this stuff. You couldn't write it better as a drama writer, right? God's just so excited. And then God says, Oh, oh, we got to tell the mother. Yeah, well, send Gabriel again. And so Gabriel goes down and he says, Greetings, Mary, you who are highly favored of the Lord. Can you just imagine? He's just brimming with excitement that he's got this amazing gift he's going to give to the world. And Mary's like, Whoa, who are you? You know, kind of freaking out. And God, through, through Gabriel, says, Oh, don't be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. You're going to conceive and born and bear a son. His name's going to be Jesus. Isn't that exciting? And he's 
most high. And God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants. And his kingdom will have no end. Can you believe this? And Mary's like, uh, how's that going to be possible? Uh, you know, I'm a virgin. How's that work? Oh, it's okay. The Holy Spirit's going to come on you. The power of God's going to overshadow you. And the one to be born of you will be called the Son of the Most High God. And, and even Elizabeth, your, your relative, she, the one that's been barren, she's going to have a child. She's in her sixth month, for no word of God ever fails. Whew. God's so excited. God is so excited about bringing Jesus into the world that when Mary goes to see Elizabeth, God jumps inside of Elizabeth's womb. She, he's filling the little fetus with the Holy Spirit. Pretty good clue that fetuses are people, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Amen. And God causes the baby to jump with joy. God is so excited when he hears that Mary's coming. He's, he jumps inside. He's inside two mothers here at the same time. God is excited. And when Mary's, when, when she's greeted by Elizabeth, Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. Another person filled with the Holy Spirit. And she starts declaring, oh, blessed are you. Everyone's going to call you favored, but why am I so privileged to have the mother of my Lord come and visit me? She's like, whoa. And then the Holy Spirit comes on, Mary. <laughs> I mean, God is just going, whoa, 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 pouring out his spirit on these people because God is excited. And Mary starts proclaiming and, and sharing the good news. And guess what happens? A few months later, John's born, right? And as soon as they name John, they name him John, uh, uh, Zachariah's mouth is opened. And what happens? Holy Spirit comes on him and he starts speaking the great things of God and all that God has done for Israel. And he even says, and you, my child, will be called prophet of the Most High. And you're going to go before the Lord to prepare the way for him and give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercies of God. Isn't that amazing? You get what God is doing? God is excited. He's kind of like, like that giddy person going, oh, you can't, I can't wait. To, you open that gift, you're going to be so excited. And then, of course, the morning uh, or the evening of the day of the night, when this Messiah is born, oh, I'm getting too excited here. <laughs> Playing excited, God, this is not, that's tough. Uh, but can you imagine? God's going, oh, tonight's the night. Tonight's the night. They're going to see the big gift. What should we do? What should we do? <sighs> let's, let's send some angels. Let's, uh, let's make a big pronouncement for everybody to see. We'll go out to the shepherds. And, of course, they'd go out, and there's this huge fanfare, and, and uh, the angels are announcing uh, praise to the Lord that, that, that uh, he's come. The Savior of the world has come. Joy to the world. All that stuff. The shepherds are excited. They go and they, they see the baby. And, and, they, and the angels, are, they're hilarious, you know. Um, what do they say again? Ah, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah. <laughs> and this will be 
be the sign. You're going to find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Can you believe it? And the, the shepherds are like, what? That's where we have our kids. Wow. And they go trucking off to, to Bethlehem. And they come back praising God because everything was just the way it had been told to them. They're so excited. God's excited about this gift. Oh, and let's not forget the wise men. I mean, I think God probably a, a couple hundred years earlier, a couple hundred years, created a supernova. Let's have this one go off right about this time. It'll take about 100, 100 years for the light to reach earth. And when it does, we'll have some wise men from Babylon and they'll come over here. They'll be excited. That is the strangest thing I've ever heard of, don't you think? And, the, and, and we'll set it up just perfect so that they'll come and then, and then we'll, we'll, we'll put away the star for a little bit. Just when they get to Jerusalem. And they'll be going like, Where, what happened to the star? What, well, what are we supposed to do? Oh, let's, let's talk to the king. And they'll go to Herod and they'll ask Herod and Herod will be like all confused. And, and all of Jerusalem will be going, what, what, where, what are you talking about? And then they'll find the prophecy about, about the pro, that the, the Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem. And then they'll send him to Bethlehem. And then, hey, let's put the star back on. <laughs> oh, maybe there were some clouds or something. I don't know. But then the star came back on and it pointed right to the very house where the baby was. And they go in and, oh, they're just in awe. This little baby, this little one, and God gets the right pow effect, you know. <laughs> the baby's there, and they bring their gifts, and, and Mary and Joseph are like, whoa, who are these guys? What is going on? They're just flabbergasted. And God has arrived. Well, there's one more person. Let's not forget. There's this old guy named Simeon. And God says to him, oh, by the way, Simeon, you're going to see my salvation before you die. Let's, let's just actually read the passage. Uh, but, well, before we do, I just want to mention that. Do you see the pattern here? Do you think God maybe was a little excited about the gift he was given? I think he was so excited he could barely contain himself. Because he was giving the greatest gift that there ever was. And it was the gift of a baby, a beautiful little child. <clears throat> God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he is still excited, just as excited today as he was back then, to reveal Jesus Christ to us. To reveal Jesus Christ to your friends and your neighbors and your loved ones. He is excited to reveal Christ to them. And he wants to do that. And he wants to use you as the messenger. You know, some of the people in the, in the Christmas story, the messengers were quiet people. John, uh, or, uh, uh, Zachariah, he was a messenger. He had to write out on a piece of paper, oh, by the way, I saw an angel and you're going to have a baby. Period. Uh, you know, Zachariah and Elizabeth's going like, what? Yeah. Zachariah was Elizabeth's messenger of the great news. And then she got excited. And there are other people. They're not very dramatic, but people were told. Everybody wondered when the shepherds went back and told everybody about what they had seen and heard and how it was just the way they were told. And they told all kinds of people. And people marveled and wondered at it. 
And so we are the messengers that God has to bring that message. And God is just as excited today about revealing his son Jesus to people as he was way back then. You know, I often get people asking me, well, you know, you, you talk a lot about hearing God's voice. and What does his voice sound like? And I'm like, I don't know. And they, well, how do you hear God? How do you know it's God's voice? How do you, how do you differentiate? Like, God is revealing himself, you know. It was pretty dramatic with the angels' visits. But for Simeon, it was just a voice, you know. Oh, you're, gonna, you're not going to die before the Lord's anointed is going to come, before you see the salvation of God. How do you hear that voice? Well, let's, let's open up this passage and let's actually look at what, how Simeon heard the voice of God. <clears throat> there was a man in Jerusalem. This is uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 25. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout, and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him what was the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Ah, sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to be the cause of the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign spoken against. And so the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul as well. God was so excited about the coming of Jesus that he wanted this special man to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to, be, to go to the temple at just the moment when Jesus was coming, eight days after he had been born. God was excited, and he wanted to share his excitement with this man. Do you ever wonder why? Why Simeon? Why Anna? Why is God so excited to share this with certain people? Well, I think there's reasons in this. One of the things that uh, we were taught in Bible college when we would go through, when we're, when we're going to preach on a passage, is to look for words in the passage that indicate what the, spa- the, the main theme of the passage is. And one of the words in this passage is the word revealed. It happens three times in the passage, actually. Uh, the first time it says uh, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit had spoken to uh, Simeon about this fact that he was going to meet, he was going to see the salvation of God. And then it says, and a light that, that this salvation will be a light for revelation to the Gentiles, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. That's the last time. So there's three times it talks about revealed. And then twice it talks about uh, what, what Simeon is actually seeing. It's, it says, for my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the sight of all the nations. So it's interesting to look at this word revelation. The, the first three times, 
it's, it's actually not the same word used in the Greek. Uh, the, uh, the, the, the second two times when the word is used, it's, it's called, in the Greek, it's a, the uh, apocalypsis, which, is, which we all recognize that word, apocalypse. It's the word uh, that we often associate with revelation. Do you know why apocalypse is associated with, the, with revelation, the book of revelation? Because it's the same word, actually. And if you look at a Greek Bible, the book of Revelation is called Apocalypse. And so now the term Apocalypse is sort of some catastrophic end-time event. That's what what we associate it with. But that's not actually what the word means. What the word actually means is to reveal or to show, to put on display. That's what the word actually means. And so the last two ones... Uh, a light of revelation to the Gentiles, and th- so the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. This is what it's talking about. It's talking about opening up the, and, and, and enabling people to see. The first word, though, is a different word. Uh, it's karamazo, and it doesn't really mean revealed so much as spoken to, and particularly spoken by God to. And, and so... God spoke to Simeon and told him what was going to happen. And uh, revealed is a perfectly fine translation of that. Um, But the point is that God spoke to Simeon by the Holy Spirit. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. For my eyes have seen your salvation. So God spoke to Simeon. Have you ever thought, like, well, wouldn't it be cool to be in Bible times and have God speak to me? Wouldn't it be cool if I was a shepherd and the angels came? Wouldn't it be cool uh, if, uh, you know, I was Mary or Joseph? Oh, I forgot to talk about Joseph. But anyways, he got, he, the angel was excited to tell him what was going on, too. <laughs> and uh, it would be so cool to have been part of this. It would have been cool to be Simeon, right? But look what it says later. It says, prepared in the sight of all the nations. God prepared his salvation in the sight of all the nations. Guess what, people? Canada is included. God prepared his his salvation so that we could see it as well. And look what it says. A light for revelation to the Gentiles. Guess what? If you're not a Jew today, you're a Gentile. Everybody who isn't a Jew is a Gentile. So probably 99.9% of us, probably all of us, I don't know any Jewish people here, but there might be some. Um, but we're Gentiles. And guess what? We, where'd it go? Can I get it back? We have a light of revelation to the Gentiles. Uh, the next slide, actually. I think. Next one. There it is. Uh, which you prepared in the sight of all the nations, a light of revelation for the Gentiles. God wants to reveal his salvation to the Gentiles. God is still in the business of revealing himself. God is still in the business of talking to people. God is still in the business of talking to you and me. And I, you know, some, some Christians tell me, oh, I never hear the voice of God. God never speaks to me. I, I, I never hear his voice. And I want to tell you right now, if you're a Christian today, that is not true. God has, in fact, spoken to you. God has, in fact, revealed to you. Because if he didn't reveal anything to you, you wouldn't be a Christian. 
That's what the Bible actually teaches. The Bible teaches that we need the Holy Spirit to speak to us in order to understand and comprehend the great salvation that God has given to us. And it's only when the Holy Spirit speaks to us that we can, in fact, turn from our wicked ways and accept God through his Spirit. It's very powerful. You know, theologians call it total depravity. That doesn't mean that there's nothing good about the person. It means that we are so deprived that we cannot muster up the wisdom and the understanding to put our faith in God. That's what total depravity means. We don't have it within ourselves. We actually need a touch from God for us to understand salvation and be able to put our faith in God. That's what the Bible teaches. And so, if you're a Christian today, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, at some point, God orchestrated that your eyes would be opened and that, the, that you wouldn't be blinded by the God of this world, Satan, and your eyes would be opened and you would see and understand the revelation about Jesus Christ himself. And so you have, in fact, heard what God says. You know, Ephesians 2 Uh, Verse 8 says it really well. It says, by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is a gift from God. Our faith, when we reach out to God and say, God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, and I put my faith in you, that's not uh, that that gift of of believing is a gift from God. (laughs) He gets all the glory. He gets all the credit. Jesus said that I have chosen. You haven't chosen me. I chose you. And I've appointed you to go and tell uh, things to the the nations. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him. And when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regards to sin and righteousness and judgment. And when he comes, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Jesus is saying that we need the conviction of the spirit of God, that we are fallen, that we are sinful, that we are not right with God before we'll ever make that step towards God. I praise God that his grace has been allowed to flow into our lives and allowed us to take hold of our salvation through him. <clears throat> Jesus said in John 6:44, "No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them." There is a work that God needs to do, a work of revelation that needs to happen in the believer's life or in the non-believer's life before he will ever believe. You know, people sometimes think that they can just come to faith at will. You know, like, oh, well, uh, you know, I know I'm supposed to pray and receive God in my heart, but I'm going to do it at a later time when I feel like it. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. There may not come a later day. And in fact, as we close the door to God over and over, our hearts become hard and cold. And what we don't realize is that there are moments when God gives us the grace to believe and put our faith in him. And those moments are precious and powerful. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles, if you wouldn't mind, to Matthew chapter 16. This displays it really powerfully, what I'm talking about here, that God needs to speak to every person and reveal himself to every person. God is in the business of revealing Emmanuel, God with us, to people today. 
Matthew 16, uh, Jesus is in the region of uh, Cis- uh, Caesarea Philippi, and he asks the, pe- he asks the disciples, hey, who, who do the people say that I am? And they reply, well, some say John the Baptist, and some are saying Elijah. Still others are saying, well, I think, they think you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets or something like that. And then Jesus says, well, what about you? What do you who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answers, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And I think Jesus gets a big smile on his face. <laughs> and he says, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. Now, hold on a sec. Jesus is saying this came by direct revelation from God? Doesn't this seem a little strange? I mean, Peter's been with Jesus for like a long time already. This is chapter 16. Peter got saved. Peter started following Jesus in chapter 4. I mean, Jesus is preaching out of Peter's boat and after he's done his sermon, he says, hey, Peter, put your boat out. We'll, we'll go fishing for a bit, eh? And Peter goes, Lord, we've been fishing all night. We're, we haven't caught anything. This is not a good time to go fishing. And Jesus, but then he goes, and Jesus must have given them the look, you know. And Peter goes, okay, okay, because you ask, I'll go do it. And they, he put, puts the boat out, and, uh, and they, they rake in such a huge catch of fish, the boat's starting to sink. And Peter's just, like, freaked out. And he falls to his knees before Jesus and he says, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Do you notice what Peter calls Jesus right there and then? He calls him Lord. That's the name for God. What's going on here? Peter's pretty convinced right away that this guy is standing in front of him who can command fish to be caught in a net. He, he, there's some supernatural about this guy. Peter's convinced pretty quick. Calls him Lord. And then, you know, Peter's there when, when Jesus goes out and preaches an amazing sermon on the Sermon on the Mount. And, and Peter's there when he comes down off the mountain and Jesus reaches out his hand and puts his hand on a leprous man and the leprosy disappears just like that. Peter's there watching, you know. And then after that, Peter's there uh, watching when, uh, when a, a centurion comes to Jesus and says, hey, can you heal my, my servant? And Jesus says, okay, I'll come to your house. And the centurion says, no, 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 no. I'm a man under authority. I know authority when I see it. You can just give the word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus goes like, wow, dude, you got faith. Your servant's well. And sure enough, the servant's well right from that moment. And Peter's watching. And then, uh, then Jesus casts out demons out of people. Peter's watching. And then they're, then they're in this house, and somebody chops a hole in the roof and drops this guy, a paralytic, on a mat. You know, he can't move his arms or his legs. He drops right down in front of Jesus. And what does Jesus say? Hey, dude, your, your sins are forgiven. People are muttering in the back, hey, who does this guy think he is? Can forgive sins? And Peter's there watching. And Jesus says, what do you think is harder, to forgive this guy's sins or to raise him off his mat? <laughs> so that you might know that the Son of Man has a power to, a power to uh, forgive sins. Get up and walk. And the paralyzed man gets up and walks out, picks up his mat. Peter's there. Peter's in the boat that day. When there's a storm raging and the boat is getting swamped and Jesus is sleeping, they wake him up and Jesus just says to the wind and the waves, stop, quiet, that's enough. 
and becomes absolutely calm. And Peter's like, and all the apostles are falling down going, truly, he is the son of God. Whoa, they're all blown away. And Peter's there when Jesus goes to Tabitha and rises her from the dead. And P- Peter's there when Jesus heals the, the, the blind, when he heals the mute. Peter's there when he feeds 5,000 people with a boy's lunch. He's there the, a few days later when he f- feeds 4,000 people. Peter's there, he's watching all this. And Peter's in the boat when Jesus comes walking as a shadowy figure in the middle of the night across the lake of Galilee. And the storm and the wind is blowing and, and they think it's a ghost and they're freaking out. And then they, no, it's just me, Jesus. Just cruising by, guys. Don't worry about it. And Peter goes, Lord, if it's you, let me come to you. And Peter gets out of the boat and walks on water towards Jesus. Well, for a few seconds anyways. And all of a sudden he goes, ah, whoa, what am I doing? He starts to sink. Peter is there. He knows. You know, do you think Peter could have figured out that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God, from all of that experience? You would think so. It just takes a little bit of logic. Pretty obvious. I mean, the demons were calling him Son of God. Jesus was referring to himself as both the Son of God and the Son of Man. I think it was pretty clear. But no, Jesus insists. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. Jesus insists, Peter, no, this was revealed. This was special revelation just for you to put your faith in me and believe that I'm the Messiah and the the Son of God. So if Peter needed special revelation from God to understand that, how much more do you think we need Special revelation, every one of us needs to understand from God himself that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And so, if you're a believer today, you can say with Simon, God has revealed to me his plan of salvation. Amen? Amen. God's revealed to us. He's shown us his plan of salvation. We've heard the voice of God, and it's been revealed to us. But surely, you don't want the conviction of the Holy Spirit just to be about the sins of your past. Surely, you want a relationship with the Holy Spirit today, an ongoing relationship, one that builds and and generates more information and and where there's a a give-and-take relationship. Don't you? (laughs) Good, good. I'm glad some of you want it. So let's, let's turn to Simeon and let's see some of the principles that guided his life that caused him to be one of the people that God specially revealed the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ to. And so these are Simeon's principles for tuning in to God uh, to hear his voice. And so we get this really from one verse. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Do you see the three things that... Simeon was that caused God to come and speak to him. He was righteous. You know, we have a righteousness that is from God, not ourselves. Those who believe in Jesus Christ, God, the Bible says that God imputes righteousness to us. Imputes is a theological word that we use to refer to the fact that we didn't earn it. We didn't gain it somehow. 
uh, through our own means, but God gave it to us free of charge. And we receive the righteousness of Christ. But that doesn't mean that, oh, now we can live however we want because we've got the righteousness of Christ banked for us in heaven somewhere. No, we actually want to live out that righteousness that, that God has given us. And we want to live that out in our lives. And then the next thing is, it says that he was devout. Well, what does that mean? Well, a devout, well, you probably know what a devout Christian is. It's someone who reads their Bible. They pray regularly. They have a relationship with God that's active. They go to church regularly. They, they're devoted to the spiritual things. They want that in their life. You know, my, I've got two boys who are musicians. And uh, they, they want to be good musicians. And I keep drumming it into their brains over and over again. Guys, you need to practice if you want to get really good. You guys are naturally talented. God has given you a great talent. But if you want to be really good, you got to practice a lot. I noticed that Colin had a guitar I saw the other day. About five years old. Practiced so much he wore a hole right through the the wood of the, the guitar. I'm like, yeah, that's what it takes to be good. It's devotion, it's steadiness, it's doing it over and over and over and over and keeping at it dog, doggedly. Now, some people, they're talented musicians sort of naturally. I mean, I mean, if I wanted to become a drum player, ugh, it would take me forever. It would be horrible. But, you know, my son, Aaron, he's pretty good at it just naturally. Kendall's naturally just very good at guitar playing. But if they want to get great, they still got to practice right? And um, I shouldn't leave Jason out, you know. (laughs) He practiced a lot for this skit. You got to practice if you want to do well, right? And he's he's great at skit. He could just say, oh, well, I've done lots of skits. I don't need to practice. No, you got to practice. And so it is with our walk with God. If we want to hear God's voice, if we want to have a relationship with God, we need to be devout. My sister's kids they play uh, uh, violin and piano. They would practice from 5.30 a.m. till 7.30 a.m. every morning. I'm like, whoa, that's crazy. But they're good. They're really good. And that's the way it is. And so if you want to hear God's voice, you want to have that relationship like Simeon had, you want God to pick you out as someone that, hey, I'm going to give some special revelation to this person. Spend time with him, and you will receive God's voice. And then the the last thing that he was doing, he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. We need to wait expectantly. One of the things I've noticed about God is he's eternal, and he doesn't really view time the same way we do. We're always like, you know, can you hurry up and tell me, God? You know, like, God, don't you know I have to preach a sermon on Sunday? It would be really nice if you gave me something to preach about. I'm, that's a prayer of mine that's pretty regular. <laughs> and I'm always looking for it now. And God is saying, no, come away with me. Let's go for a walk. Let's have a conversation. No, but Lord, I just need it now. If you could just dump it on me now, that would be really nice. And God's like, oh, you really don't get it, Bill, do you? This is a relationship. We talk. We discuss. Then I'll give it to you. Okay. You know, I'm stubborn. I'm kind of bad at this, but I'm starting to get it, you know. You know, take for example Anna. 
she didn't get any divine revelation. You need to be at the temple at this certain time and you'll see the Messiah. She didn't get any of that. Guess what? She was always at the temple. <laughs> she was always worshiping God. And so when the time came for the special announcement, well, she was there. And you know, there's people who are here all the time worshiping God. Every night I see the same people sometimes worshiping God. They're hungering and searching. And one of those people said to me, you know, I really want to hear God's voice. I think she's going to hear it someday. You know, she's here looking, asking. And when God speaks, she's going to be here, hearing him. Notice what it said about Simeon. The next slide, please. Um, There it is. The Holy Spirit was on him. Now, it, before, he had, it had been revealed to Simeon by the Holy Spirit that he wouldn't die before he saw the Lord's Messiah. But notice it's current. It's not just something that God talked to him in the past. It's something that's current. The Holy Spirit was on him currently and moved by the Spirit. So he, was, he had the Spirit on him, but he also was willing to listen and obey to the Spirit. And so the Spirit was directing him. You know, I think sometimes we think it's some sort of magic potion or something. No, it's not. It's just it's simple relationship. You know, when my wife and I spent our week in Cuba, it was amazing. <laughs> our relationship value went poof, right through the ceiling. We hadn't done nothing together for ages. <laughs> you know, like we're always so busy, and all of a sudden we had nothing to do. Sit on the beach, go for a walk. It was awesome. It was so neat. And our relationship built quickly. Same thing happens if you're with God and you got nothing to do but talk with him and converse with him. And you will be shocked at how fast that relationship builds and develops and grows. You know, on Thursday, I had kind of a a wild experience in the prayer meeting. We were... uh, praying for missionaries and saw a video and that kind of thing. But, but Peter led a song in that time. And the song was based on the Song of Solomon. And it, it's called Let Me See Your Face. And I was singing the song, and it, it seemed this is one of the, this is the chorus in the song. Let me see your face. Let me just hear your voice. Let me see the one I want so near. And, you know, it sounded and seemed so much like every other song that we sing at church. You know, just a longing for God and a longing to see God's face and all that. But then I started going, like, why is me capitalized in the song? And then I realized that, that this, was, this was the song of, from the Song of Solomon. That's, that's how Peter introduced the song. And all of a sudden, it dawned on me as I was singing this song that this is not me wanting to see God's face. This is God's longing to see my face. That's what the song, this is the song of Solomon to his beloved. Not the other way around. And as I saw it, it dawned on me, I realized, that's why they capitalized me. It's God who's speaking. He's longing to hear my voice. He's the one he wants so near to him. And I was just like, ah, oh, wow. And just this revelation just hit me. That God is so in love with me. And he longs to see my face. 
And you might say, well, God always can see your face. Yeah, but it's different. When he met with Abraham, it says he met with him as one sits face to face with his friend. God wants me to have his full attention on him. Have you ever been with someone and they're, you know, busy on their iPad or on their cell phone and, and you're trying to talk to them and they're just not even looking at you? I think that's the way God feels sometimes. I want to see your face. Look, look, look at me. I'm talking to you, you know. And, and I think he, he gets jealous for our time. And he loves us so much. And I was just, as I, then I started singing the song and I, I was like, whoa. And, and I... And I realized God really wanted to meet with me. And that night, I, you know, I just was spending time in prayer with him. Huh, funny thing. He downloaded a sermon to me just like that. <laughs> I, you know, I wasn't looking for a sermon. And that's what God wants. God wants us to just look for him. He wants just to chat, just to Hang out. That's his passionate desire. Way back in Genesis, God is saying to, to Adam, Adam, where are you? Where are you? And Adam's hiding because of his sin. And praise God, we've been washed from our sin. And God is still calling out to you. Joe, where are you? Bill, where are you? Jim, Joanna, where are you? I want to meet with you. Let me see the one I want so near. Do you know that God is still giddy with excitement because he wants to reveal stuff to you? He is still the same God, and he's like, oh, I can't wait. They're going to meet with me maybe tonight. Maybe they're going to go on their knees, and we're going to have a time. It's going to be so great. I can't wait because I got this plan for their life and I want to share it with them. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to reveal Christ to him in a new way and he's going to share it with his friends. I can't wait to meet. And the next day, he's still the same way. Oh, I can't wait to meet. And the next day, and the next day, and after a while, boy, I sure wish they'd meet with me. <clears throat> you have no idea how much God is in love with you. He is giddy with excitement that he wants to meet with you. He wants to reveal himself with you. I, you know, when people ask me, well, how does God talk to you? I don't know how God's going to talk to you. You know, he might sh show up with an angel at church one day, and you'll be like, whoa! You know, and you come to a prayer meeting, and there's an angel standing there at the door of the, to the prayer room, you know? <laughs> It'd be a little shocking. Or, or maybe Jesus is going to meet with you in your house. Maybe he'll show up. Or maybe he'll come in a dream like he did with Joseph and just come and, and chat with you. Or, or maybe uh, it'll be outside, with, like with the shepherds. Or maybe... Uh, it'll be like the Holy Spirit just coming on you and the words just coming out of you and they'll be ringing in your head and you want to speak and share with other people. I don't know how God's going to speak to you. Maybe he'll put a sign out in nature like a star. Or I don't know what. You know, I saw there was this one lady. She was, she was a Muslim lady and she was learning about Christ and God and, and just after a meeting, she stepped out on someone's veranda and there in the sky, written in, in Arabic, in the clouds, 
said, I love you. <laughs> I'm like, what? Uh, that's the way God loves us. Or maybe you'll be like Simeon. You simply hear his voice. He talks to you when you have your prayer time. And the Holy Spirit will be with you, and he'll go with you as you go and share, walk about your ways and do your thing. All I know is that God is really excited to meet you. He can't wait to meet with you. He's excited to meet with you. Duncan Campbell, famous preacher, was apparently at a, a conference, and he had a strong feeling to go that he needed to go to a nearby town. So he's like, okay, he gets on his horse and heads over to this nearby town. And he gets there, and he's like, okay, well, maybe I'll just head over to the church. And so he walks over to the church, and uh, he's walking up the front steps, and there's a janitor there, and he's cleaning the, the front steps. And Duncan Campbell says, uh, what's, what's happening here? Oh, and the, and the, the janitor says, oh, we've got a, a, a speaker coming tonight. And Duncan says, well, who's coming? He says, uh, oh, it's Duncan Campbell. And Duncan Campbell goes, but I'm Duncan Campbell. Uh, how did you know I was coming? And the cleaner says, well, how did you know to come? <laughs> That's how the voice of God works. Let's pray. Father, we, we think we long to hear your voice. We think we are giddy with anticipation to hear your voice, but we've completely forgotten how much you want to reveal your son, Jesus Christ, to us. We've forgotten how much you long to meet with us, how much you long to be Emmanuel, God, with us. And so, Lord, we repent of our laissez-faire attitude towards meeting with you. We repent of our attitude of, well, it can wait till later or I can do it some other time. We repent of this attitude of seeing our relationship as some chore we need to do. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for letting you down when we don't meet with you. And Lord, I pray that you would, you would reveal yourself to us in a way that shows how much you love us, how much you love hanging out with us, and how much you love wanting to reveal more of yourself to us. Lord, we just pray that you would show us your presence this Christmas. Lord, may this Christmas be a time where we really experience you being God with us in a new and fresh way. Thank you, Lord, that you, I, I just don't get it. I, I just thank you that you are so in love with us, and that you want to meet with us so much. So I offer myself as a living sacrifice to you. Please accept my feeble attempts to meet with you this Christmas. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.